All right, the crowd is picking up. We're glad to see that. Good crowd this morning. Mother's Day. Amen. Anybody know where Mother's Day started? I know there was some, there was some uh, trials before it, but it finally stuck with... Uh, that's right. Where was it? About 20 miles from where we live or 20 minutes, you might say. Grafton, West Virginia, Ann Jarvis, heard her mother teaching in Sunday school class and saying that she, she prayed, rather, after the, she taught, and she prayed that uh, there would be something for mothers to honor mothers. So she determined that she would have something along that line. Finally, uh, President Wilson uh, declared it an official day. The second... Sunday of May, and uh, we've got uh, a few things in West Virginia that we can point to and say we really exist, yes, not too many, but a few things. Uh, Speaking of mothers, I'd like to read a poem that my sister sent to me that was written by my mother in 1962. That was the year that my wife and I was married, 50 years ago last fall, November the 13th, no, the 10th, I <laughs> have to remember that date, you have to remember that, and this is about life, and here's uh, someone that had lived life, some of the roughest things that happened to her, like this happened to a lot of people, but she made it through to 80 years of age, she said, the magnitude of life to some may seem an overpowering maze of tangled care. Though older, wiser men may catch a gleam of golden thread or purpose shining there. Thread of purpose shining there. No error, no miscalculation here. God planned it all in infinite design. The wiry threads in proper place appear into our lives the woof and warp align. You know what the woof and warp is? Anybody know what that is? That's weaving, right? Some lives are lived in brilliant, gaudy hue, and some have not except the drab and gray. In some degree, the task is up to you to make the most of what you have today. Uh, my mother, though she did a lot of worrying, she was an optimist. She believed things were going to work out some way or somehow. And um, I'm glad that she brought me into the world. I appreciate that very much. And I'm here today yet. I want to, uh, before I begin the message, I want to bring some other things here about moms. Because I want to speak this morning on what my mother taught me. I've never done this before on Mother's Day or any other day. I've never preached on what my mother, I've preached on my father, but not what my mother taught. And my mother wasn't perfect, as there may be some here in this auditorium that would agree with that. I don't know. (laughs) But uh, she had some good things in her life, and I want to try to emphasize them today and maybe help to us and encouragement to your mothers. 
But here's some things that moms teach us. They teach us about receiving. They say, you're going to get it when we get home. (laughs) They teach us about logic. Because I said so, that's why. (laughs) They teach us about medical science. Stop crossing your eyes. They'll freeze that way. (laughs) Here's a good one. They teach us about religion. You better pray that, that this will come out of the carpet. <laughs> Genetics. You're just like your father. <laughs> or where were, you, where were you born? In a barn? <laughs> they teach us about time travel. Have you heard about time travel? If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. <laughs> they teach us about contortionism. Will you look at that dirt on the back of your neck? <laughs> How are you going to do that? They teach us about weather. It looks like a tornado hit this place. They teach us about international relations. Millions starving in China, and you won't even eat your peas. They teach us about doing the impossible. If you fall out of the tree and break your neck, don't come crying to me. <laughs> And lastly, the circle of life. I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) How many of you have heard any of those things? (laughs) A few of them. Mothers, don't we love them? Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you today for motherhood. We thank you that it teaches us about your love to us. So you said, though, uh, a mother would forget her children, you would never forget us. And we know that very few mothers would forget their children if they were at least sane. We thank you, God, for the mothers you've given us. Some of them maybe not lived a very holy life. I can think of a few. But we thank you for what good they did for us. And uh, thank you, Lord, for those who are gathered here today. We pray you'd speak to us and help us, Lord, to draw closer to you. For any that may not know you as Savior, may this be the moment, the hour, that they understand and, and trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One thing that my mother taught me was to be faithful to church. Now, I'm not getting on you here today, right now, because you're here in church. But um, Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. And we know what that day is, the day when it's all going to wind up, when the end is going to come, either the end for us individually or end for us as uh, this um, particular age, the age of grace. In Acts 2.42, it tells us they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. They, they kept on fellowshipping together. Now, I want to correct something I said about coming to church to worship God. Uh, you do in singing. I understand that. But it's also 
a place to be recharged with the Word of God and a place for us to serve. And having said that, I move on. Psalm 122.1 said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Have you ever been excited about coming to the house of God? I have. And uh, we ought to be excited about it. Well, I will say this about my mother. Uh, and I'm, I think she was behind it, really. Um, I've talked about Dad taking me and carrying me along when I was dragging behind when we went to hear the preacher on Sunday afternoon on a hot day of August and the sweat bees stinging me and the new shoes uh, rubbing my blisters on my feet because I've gone barefooted all during the week and put on these new shoes in the summertime and trip over those rocks in the road and so on. And Dad never liked me for me to cry and I was dragging behind crying and he came and picked me up. And that's, I think, some of my earliest memories is of my father carrying me along the road going to church. We were walking about a mile to go to church. When, when we were in uh, Papua New Guinea, there were people that walked 10 miles to come to the meeting. 10 miles. And uh, in, uh, down in uh, Port-au-Prince, uh, Haiti, well, actually, it was up in the mountains. I saw uh, the pews they had were just poles that people sat on. Forked posts driven in the ground, and then poles laid up on those, and they sat on there for up to three hours and kept their children quiet. Isn't that amazing? Somebody had been working. They, my parents and my mother, I think, was behind the whole thing, uh, encouraged dad and... and uh, Although I'm not saying Dad didn't want to go, but I, I think she kind of, you know, inspired him. And, and they, took us to, they took us to church. And uh, they were faithful in that. And they uh, inst installed or uh, instilled a habit in us that resulted in my getting saved after I got away from home. Because I, I've talked to so many people across the country knocking on doors and saying, well... Uh, when I was a child, I went to church, but once I got away from home, I didn't go anymore. My parents sent me, and I didn't like it. I'm saying, mothers, we need to take them to church. And if your children are grown and out of the home, take your grandchildren if you can, <laughs> if they're nearby. And uh, if you can't do that, take somebody else. But keep on going to church. It's good. It's good for you. And... We need more churches. We need more churches. It's God's ordained living institution that he uh, instituted in this world to get the gospel out, to reach people and to help people. Don't give up on going to church, mothers and fathers. There's something else they taught me. They taught me to work. I mean, she taught me to work. I worked with her. Dad taught me too, but I'm, I'm talking about mom today. Mom died in uh, 29 years ago. We figured out it was 1984. And um, as I said, she was 80 years old, born in 1904, and came through um, all the way through Vietnam, uh, all those wars and everything. And, and so... Uh, she learned a lot, knew a lot, and she knew that we need to work and to keep on working. In Second Thessalonians 3.10, it says, For even when we were with you, 
This we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. And there's people today that are living off the, as they say down there, they're living off the, the, the government. Uh, I'm talking about the county where we live, uh, live is just about 75, 80 miles from Pittsburgh. That's how they say it, Pittsburgh in, in Tolton, West Virginia. And they, um, some of you people may not understand that. But it's a, it's a, a small community. And there's a lot of them in that area. They've figured out a way to get help from the government. And they're living off the government. And Paul said, if a man wouldn't work, he shouldn't eat. I mean, I'm talking about people that are able to work. And you can find something to do. You can find something to do. I just saw a segment on the news where somebody, I can't remember where it was, down in Georgia, I believe, is out of work, and he started a, a furniture factory out of old wood, just scrap wood, and putting the wood together, and gluing it together, and making furniture. And they did uh, $500,000 worth of business last year, and he had some of the men that were out of work and living in the woods down there uh, start working for him. And you can find something to do. You, you, you ever heard of uh, Yankee ingenuity? Have you heard of that? <clears throat> you should have a lot of it in this area. <clears throat> the Bible says, let him that stole steal no more, but let him labor working with his hands that which is good that he may have to consume upon himself. No, he didn't say that. To give to him that needeth. You know, if we'd think about other people, uh, things would go better for us. Now, God knows that you have to have a roof over your head, and he knows that you have to have food and clothes to eat and so on. He knows all that, and he's not worried about it. You say, well, he doesn't have to worry. Well, he's not worried about you either. All you have to do is trust him, like we said in the last hour, or, or 45 minutes, or how so many ever it was. I remember working in the garden with my mother. There was no such thing as hating any kind of vegetable. I'm glad that we did not raise okra. Well, okra is all right if it's fried, but when you cook that stuff, it's slimy, and I don't like it. But all the other vegetables that we raise in the garden, I enjoy to this day. We had asparagus. We had lima beans. We had green beans. We had tomatoes. <laughs> uh, we raised our own potatoes. We raised onions. One of the best vegetables ever to grow is onion. It's good for your hair. Uh, it's kind of failed me a little bit, but I'm getting on up there. It's good for your hair. It's good for your bones. Uh, it's just good for you. It fights cancer. I eat green onions all the time. That is my salad. My wife will say, you want some of this salad? No, I have my salad right here, a green onion or two. I've already got some out. They're growing. I've already harvested a couple, uh, well, about four or five of them, and they're delicious. I remember she used to... Um, Take us to find greens in the spring. Yesterday, I, I had several phone calls. Since we have uh, 10 children oh, the day before, uh, some of them I got, some were a little late. Yesterday, I was talking to Jennifer. She called me from down in Blanchard, Louisiana. And she said they're having a poke salad festival down here. How many know what a poke salad is? <laughs> 
Yes, we used to gather them. They look a little bit, when they first come up, they look a little bit like asparagus. But I want to tell you something. You don't want to eat too many of those things. They'll, they'll tear you up inside. When uh, that plant grows up and gets its berries on it, those are poison. So uh, you have to know what you're doing. But I, I remember going with my mother, uh, walking through the woods, looking for different greens. There was one called Indian lettuce. I wished I could find that. I don't think it's around where we live now. I remember it was down... It was over in the western part of the state where we lived at that time, where I was born. Um, but uh, we, we'd even eat uh, violet leaves. Hey, I want to tell you something. This was, this was during the time of the Depression. And she knew what to pick. Um, there was a, something they called a tiger something, too, that we ate. <laughs> and, and she'd mix that all up and cook it up. I remember going with her. Uh, I'm saying she was teaching me how to work and how to do things. I remember going with her out in the woods in the early spring and getting humus. I'm talking about this dark soil, bringing it in in a pan and cooking it in the oven to plant her little seedlings, you know, uh, tomatoes and cabbage and so on. It was better, much better than any uh, potting soil you can buy at a Home Depot or Walmart. You don't have Walmart here in the city, do you? You wouldn't let them come in. I know. They do more business than anybody else in the world. I understand that. Uh, <clears throat> and they've driven out a lot of uh, mom and pop businesses, too. I remember going blackberry picking with her. Uh, now, she was a modest woman, but during blackberry picking, she would wear a pair of overalls or men's pants underneath her skirt just to be modest, just to look like a woman. Amen, Brother Marshall. I'm glad I said that. And uh, <clears throat> I'd go out there with her blackberry picking. And we would get sugars on us and ticks and get all scratched up with the blackberry bushes. But we would end up uh, more than once, I'm sure, canning more than 150 quarts of blackberries, wild blackberries. Oh, man, blackberry pie and blackberry jam and jelly and when I go to a Cracker Barrel, I ask them for Marion uh, blackberries uh, with my biscuits. I like that. Are we having fun this morning? You know what? It'd be good if we could experience some of those things again. I, I read a story about a, a family in Ontario, Canada. I believe it was. One of the provinces in Canada. He told about there were seven of them in the family with the mother and father. And apple harvesting time came. They would all gather around the table someplace in the house and they would peel apples. The other day when I was teaching the young people, the children in our church on Wednesday night, I brought an apple and a paring knife with me and showed them how to peel an apple. Do you know how to peel an apple to core it with a paring knife? To peel it right and to core it you know how to do that? Quarter it and so on. That's what we did. I read that story and I could relate to that. That's what we used to do. One of my jobs was to peel apples. We didn't have that at that time. In the early days, you know, the apple peeler. Now we have one of those. It peels the apple and cores it and slices it. And we've come a long ways. Now, you say, is this preaching? I'm just saying, I thank God for what my mother taught me taught me about work, taught me to keep busy. 
is it true that 50 or 40, 47% are living off of the government today? Is that true? Now, some have to. I understand that. If you need that kind of uh, assistance, I mean, I don't begrudge you of it. But what I'm saying is that we need to learn to work. Something else she taught me that's uh, really needed today. She taught me to be honest. In Leviticus 19.11, it says, You shall not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie one to another. And uh, Paul takes that up in Colossians 3.9 when he says, Lie not one to another, seeing you put off the old man with his deeds. I remember my mother wrote a little book about memories of something. It told about uh, her grandmother and few experiences in her life. It was a small book. It was bound with a, a plastic binding. And when she sold one of those books, she sold a few of them, but she would pay the tax on those books. I mean, she was honest to the core. And she taught me to be honest. She taught me to pay my bills. And she would ask me sometimes if she knew that I had a bill. She would ask me how I was doing with it. Have you, have you paid that bill? We need to be honest. She, she, she taught me to, to tell the truth. To, you know, uh, the Bible says that all liars are going to end up in hell if that's what's on you and your blood hasn't cleansed it. That's according to the Bible. All liars will be there because they've rejected the answer of salvation through Christ. But that's what's going to be there. If you're not saved today and you have that habit in your life and you end up in hell, you're going to spend the rest of uh, eternity with people that do that very thing. Is everybody still with me today? I just felt impressed to do this. Uh, It's a little different than what I usually do. Uh, So uh, pinch yourself or somebody beside you say amen. Uh, Please help them, all right? I remember my brother who was probably, I know he wasn't over six years of age because he's probably five. And anybody remember the song, I'm My Own Grandpa? Lift, lift your hand if you heard that exciting song, I'm My Own Grandpa. Well, he learned that thing. He learned all the words and he, was, he would sing it. And we'd go to church and before church, He'd be outside, and the young and the men, the older men, would ask him to sing "I'm My Own Grandpa," and he would sing it, and they would give him money for it, oh, nickel or dime or something, no. And uh, mom got after him, said, "You're not taking money, are you, from those men for singing that song?" And he said, "Yes, I am, but I'm tithing on it." <laughs> so you see, that lesson was given long ago. He knew he was supposed to give 10% of everything that came in. My mother taught me that. Then, uh, and you know what? She taught me to be kind to people. In Deuteronomy 24, 14, it says, Thou shalt not oppress a hard servant that is poor and needy, whether he be of thy brethren or thy strangers that are in thy land within thy gates. We were never taught to be prejudiced. I didn't know anything about prejudice when I left Calhoun County, West Virginia. 
I wasn't taught to be prejudiced. And uh, mom uh, cared for people. She was kind to them. I remember her telling this story. There was a lady, trying to think of her name. I know she, her, her maiden name was Selman. I forget who, Richards, I believe it was. She married a Richards there in Calhoun County, West Virginia. And she got breast cancer. And mom was the one that ended up taking care of her until she died. And that's why mom, when she uh, um, was coming down to the end of her life, she said uh, she had uh, about five things that she prayed for. And one of them was that she wouldn't get cancer. And, uh, but she said, I, I remember, I, I remember uh, her telling about Mrs. Richards. And before she died, she said, you could see her heart beating through the flesh. And Miss, Mrs. Richards said to her, if it pops out, just pick it up and put it back in again. <laughs> that kind of sticks with you, you know. And that kind of gruesome right before lunch here, but you'll survive. You New Yorkers have seen everything. Amen? And uh, she was kind. What I'm saying is she took care of people. And she taught me uh, not to be prejudiced and try to be kind to people, to try to treat them right. And then uh, I look further on, I, I, I see that she taught me how to, she taught me to obey. I never got in a whole lot of trouble. I never got in a whole lot of trouble in the Army. I didn't get in trouble in high school. The only one thing I remember that I went to the principal's office for, I had gotten a, uh, <clears throat> my uncle, I think it was, had, had given me a, a little dog head that had a bulb on it. You could squeeze and it would bark. Uh, very basic thing. Now it's all electronic. And... Uh, I got a piece of wire, fine, I mean tubing, very fine tubing from the old uh, sawmill site where my grandfather had. Back years ago, they, instead of having wires running to the instruments on your dash and your, your automobile, and they were using some kind of a truck or something for the power for that sawmill, and it all deteriorated and that copper tubing remained, but they used copper tubing instead of uh, wire. And and I got that, and I fastened that on that, took that bulb off of that little dog's head, and fastened that copper tubing on there, and I filled it up with water, and I could run that tubing up through under my shirt and come out of the buttonhole so nobody could see it. And it was in high school, and I walked down the hall, and I squared this one guy in the face, and uh, he ran right to the principal and said I had a squirt gun. And so uh, the principal called me in the office, and he asked me, do you have a squirt gun? And I said, yes. And I pulled that thing out of my pocket and out of my shirt. And I'm sure he had all he could do to keep from laughing. And I long uh, for, to have that thing back again. But I don't know what happened to it. <clears throat> I didn't have a whole lot of trouble. Even in, uh, when I got away from home, of listening to people. You know why? My mother and my father taught me to obey. And you know, they didn't tell you a half a dozen times you had to do it when they told you to do it. And when Dad came in into my room, my bedroom, at 6 o'clock in the morning and said, Johnny, get up and get the cows, he never came back. He never had to because I, we had that all figured out, he and I. And when he came and said that, 
I knew that I was to get up and not uh, dilly-dally, you know, and go, get the cows. Mothers, we need to get back to that again, amen? We need to get back to that again. Then, uh, lastly, I want to say this morning or this afternoon that um, she taught me, she pointed me towards God. She did, by taking me to church, reading the Bible to me. Dad read the Bible, but I mean, she was the one that wanted to have family devotions and talked about God. We've got a whole bunch of poems she wrote, and a lot of it's about God. A lot of it's about uh, trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, she was a Methodist in the beginning. She told about, uh, I'm, I'm about a mile from where we live right now, there was one of these old-fashioned Methodist camp meetings. And they would say, this is just a small town. Tunnelton is a very small town. The county seat of Preston County is about 3,000 people. And so it's not a big place. It's not a metropolis. But they had a, a big camp meeting going on there years ago. And she told a story about uh, a stagecoach. There's a real sharp turn as you come right around into the campground. And a stagecoach came along loaded with people coming to that camp meeting and overturned right there. And that's the talk of, uh, of the century, you know, a stagecoach overturned in that uh, little turn right there. But she said, one day I was listening, or rather watching, my father burn brush. And they were having a, a meeting up there at the campground. And, he said, and she said, I got to looking at the fire in that brush. And I got to thinking about hell and about what it would be like to go to hell and she said, that night I went to the meeting and I accepted Christ as my Savior. Now, Methodists were not, uh, they were not back, you know, when I was coming up, great soul winners. They professed to know Christ, as she did. Uh, sometimes they'd get a little upset if you asked them if they were saved uh, because they felt like that their life was a testimony. Wouldn't that be wonderful if people could just, you know, wouldn't have to say anything. People would know you were saved. It's happened before. Under Finney, people just fell down. And uh, under conviction, I'm told. And other people, I was reading about a preacher, uh, Jacob Gruger, I think his name was, about how people would just come under conviction without somebody going up to them and asking them if they were saved. They were just convicted that they were lost and and cry out for salvation. And, and so... Uh, Mom was not one at that time when I was growing up to, she would try to get people to go to church and she would pray for people and so on, but she wasn't what you call a soul winner. But in her last days, she began to get active. Even when she was up in her 70s, she was driving out, visiting people and talking to them about the Lord. And so uh, uh, she kind of grew in a period of, over a period of time into that. And I, I think about her and about her testimony. She... Uh, finally gave up the Methodist church. Uh, they were having these quarterlies that they were studying, and they were doubting the word of God. And finally she said, well, if God didn't say what he meant, why didn't he say, what, why didn't he say it? And, and she left them. And I mean, she had relatives in that church, and it was quite a stand that she made. And she left and went into Kingwood where uh, somebody was starting an independent fundamental Baptist, fundamental Baptist church where we are members of today. And she made one request in that church. She said, I don't, I don't want preachers to use anything else but the King James Bible in this church. And I thank God for her testimony. Oh, she wasn't perfect. 
I know that. Uh, she could uh, get excited sometimes. But how about us? Are we perfect? Do you have your trust and faith in Jesus Christ? If you left this world today, do you have knowledge and assurance inside that your sins are all forgiven? Do you know you're going to heaven? Do you have that assurance in your heart? If you left this world, do you know that you go to be with Jesus? Or if he came back, would you go with him? As we bow our heads today, we certainly thank God for holy mothers, for good mothers, mothers that love the Lord, mothers that have led us and taught us, mothers that have brought us into this world. We can surely thank God for mothers today and what they go through with. I, I read about one woman that uh, over in Wales, I believe it was, froze to death one day. She came into a house and couldn't get in. It froze to death. She had a baby with her. She fell across the baby, wrapped all the clothes that she could take off over the baby and fell across it to keep it warm. Somebody found her frozen to death. But that little boy lived. His name was Lloyd George. Became a prime minister of England, as I remember. You know, that's what Jesus Christ did for us. He, he covered us and he washed away our sins. He is our protection from judgment. And only through him can we be saved and know that we're going to heaven. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I wonder if anyone here today who would say, I'm not sure I'm saved. I wish you'd pray for me. You need not speak a word, but if you lift your hands, we'd certainly pray for you. We pray that God would help you to come to know the Lord. Anyone would like to lift up their hand today and say, remember me in prayer. I am not sure I'm saved. Pray for me. I'm not sure. Pray for me. Anyone? Yes, thank you. Anyone else? Lift your hand today. Remember me in prayer. I'm not sure that I'm saved. I'll tell you, the book is real. The Bible is true. There's no book like the Bible. There's no book like the Bible. The prophecies and the things that have been fulfilled and the things that are prophesied have not yet been fulfilled, the way it all fits together, it drives towards one end to glorify Jesus Christ through the redemption of mankind. Heads are still bowed, eyes are closed. Anyone else like to join this one and say, I'm not sure I'm saved. Pray for me. I lift my hand. You know, it's a step in the right direction. Lifting your hand's not going to save you. We're not going to come back and bother you. We'd like to pray for you. Would you lift your hand up? Maybe there's somebody here today saying, there's some things in my heart against my mother. I know some people like that. They hold things against their mother and their father for what's happened in their life. You know what? We need to forgive them. We can't have the blessing of God with bitterness and anger in our heart. Maybe you'd like to come today and ask God to forgive you for it. And maybe If your mother's not here, maybe she's gone on. Maybe she's across the country somewhere or someplace else. Finally get to her and you can and tell her you're sorry. You can come today and begin that step and getting that right. Maybe some of you here today are just out of God's will. You need to come back to him. Would you come today? Father, we ask that you would be with those.
Lord would have needs today, whether it's some bitterness or whether it might be just wandering away from you, God, we pray that you'd help them to come today and get things right. We pray for this one that lifted her hand. We don't know the situation. God, you know the heart. We pray that you might uh, minister this soul and reveal yourself to them in salvation. We ask your blessing on this invitation. We ask it in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Shall we stand?